welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. Today, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're having this interview with Dr. Connie Vyshovsky. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here with you today. So as you said, um, Kira, I'm Connie Vyshovsky. I am a professor and the endowed chair um, in nursing science at the University of South Florida in Tampa. I've been studying peripheral neuropathy since it almost seems like my whole life, but I want to say since a, a little before 2000, the year 2000. So uh, it's been a passion of mine for a long time. As a nurse practitioner for many, many years, I saw patients have peripheral neuropathy and have to live with it over time. And we saw them go from perfectly functioned functional people to having trouble with their activities of daily living and quality of life. And that really struck me because as a nurse practitioner, I kind of saw patients really in more of the acute care setting. But when I started seeing people in follow-up, that's when it really hit me how much peripheral neuropathy impacted their lives. Mm -hmm. um, so like you said, peripheral neuropathy is a significant issue in breast cancer. And I know you've done a ton of research surrounding it. Um, so what is some of the research that you've uh, conducted or currently working on uh, surrounding this? So in the past, I've looked at non-pharmacological agents, to, um, excuse me, I've looked at non-pharmacological ways of helping patients to manage and self-manage their neuropathy because everything that I saw published in the scientific literature in terms of prevention and treatment of neuropathy using pharmacologic agents was either contradictory had mixed results or totally failed. So what did we have to work with patients? And I began to explore the idea of using exercise because I was really interested in helping patients maintain physical functioning. So I did a study for with women, with 19 women who have breast cancer who are undergoing chemotherapy. And I started the study when they began their taxanes. So they had already gotten adriamycin and cytoxin. They were beginning their taxanes and followed them and gave them resistance exercises for the lower extremities to do at home. We had a very positive outcome, but what I found out was that it was difficult for patients to manage the side effects of therapy. And at that time, they were giving um, dose-dense taxanes. So every two weeks, people were coming in for their uh, taxanes. And those toxicities kind of added up quickly, and patients had difficulty maintaining exercise in the right dose and the right intensity. So I learned a lot in that study and now have transitioned. I have a large uh, National Cancer Institute-funded study looking at using gait balance and resistive exercise, still focusing on the lower extremities because it's my belief that that's what keeps you independent. And we are recruiting women now uh, for that trial. So they get the exercises or they get an attention control. It's a 16 week study. And our outcomes that we're measuring are sophisticated measures of gait balance, uh, neuropathy symptoms, nerve conduction, nerve uh, biopsy, so looking at intraepidermal nerve fiber density, and muscle strength and quality of life. So those are our outcomes, and we're still recruiting for that study. It's here in Tampa, Florida. Great. That's um, definitely an amazing study and very needed. Um, so you mentioned some of the additional self-management strategies for CIPN. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any other advice for um, women who are experiencing this about how they can help to self-manage it? I do. We know that, you know, when we think about neuropathy, it is it is thinking about causing toxic damage to the peripheral nerves 
by the chemotherapy agents themselves that result in these neurotoxic symptoms. And these symptoms are sensory in nature, so um, numbness, tingling in the hands and feet. They are, um, there's motor symptoms that are motor muscle weakness, muscle wasting, and there are autonomic symptoms where people can drop their blood pressure from uh, lying to standing, okay, can experience sexual dysfunction and gastrointestinal um, problems. And this occurs in about 60 to 80% of women who receive uh, taxanes for chemotherapy. And the more exposure you have to these uh, therapies, as I mentioned with the dose-dense therapies, the higher severity and the longer you have those symptoms. So in 2020, ASCO um, published their clinical guidelines, and they have no recommendations for for prevention of chemotherapy-induced neuropathy, and only duloxetine is supported for decreasing neuropathic pain. There is limited and contradictory evidence for things like anticonvulsants, like gabapentin, pregabalin, tricyclic antidepressants, topical lidocaine, and we really want to avoid at whole cost opioids, which are inappropriate for neuropathy. But in terms of non-pharmacological therapies, there was a 2022 publication that was a systematic review and meta-analysis that looked at some non-pharmacologic therapies that patients could engage in and found that the most beneficial effects um, were seen by um, in, in exercise. But I will tell you there are some benefits to acupuncture in terms of pain relief, um, in massage of the lower extremities and the hands, and in foot baths. In fact, we do hypothesize that, especially with the taxanes, that um, neuropathy is caused by uh, damage to the mitochondria, which are the energy-producing uh, parts of the cell, and also by the drugs actually reducing um, blood flow to the peripheral nerves. So by giving a foot bath, a warm foot bath, you know, you can increase blood flow to the peripheral nerves. And that's what I postulate that exercise does. And um, the European Society of Medical Oncology also did a uh, exploration of this. And they found that exercise actually had level one quality evidence. And some of the studies are also mixed. And these are mostly because of bad study designs, quite frankly. And so uh, in self-management, exercise remains the most studied and the... Um, self-management strategy with the most evidence. So in that 2022 publication that I mentioned earlier, with, that was a systematic review and meta-analysis, this is um, a study that looked at 13 studies and found the strongest evidence for physical exercise to reduce neuropathy severity. And one study even found positive evidence for glutamine supplementation. Again, we still need lots more work in this area before we can say there's any kind of gold standard recommendation. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, those are definitely some really useful strategies, and that's really valuable to share with our audience. Mm -hmm. So in light of um, October being Breast, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, do you have any messages about CIPN and awareness of it that you'd like to share either for patients who are experiencing it or for nurses and physicians who are managing it? Absolutely. I actually think that um, in terms of patients, let's be aware it's going to happen. It usually starts to happen by the second cycle of a neurotoxic chemotherapy. We want patients to monitor themselves for um, changes in their function, changes that are, include pain, because you can have obviously neuropathic pain. You can have hypersensitivity, which even the slightest touch or sheets on your 
feet, for instance, cause discomfort, uh, numbness, tingling, um, loss of sensation so that you have altered gait and balance, which is why actually we're studying it. So awareness and education are really paramount. For the providers and for nurses who are taking care of patients, again, monitoring them from baseline because people come to cancer with all kinds of uh, pre-existing conditions. For instance, you can have um, neuropathy from diabetes, right? And then go on to have a cancer, which you're going to have neurotoxic chemotherapy for. So monitoring is really important and telling patients what to report. Um, and then for providers to stay away from these non-proven therapies, um, therapies that are not evidence-based because they cause a great deal of frustration in patients. We just like almost try anything and throw anything we can at them in the best, with the best heart. You know, we want to help patients, but actually going from one therapy to another, to another, to it's very frustrating for patients. And so let's stick with those evidence-based therapies. Great. Thank you. That's really important. Um, so my last question for you is a little bit of a different topic, um, but going back to our ODACon breast cancer conference from last year, mm -hmm. um, have there been any recent updates um, on the topic that you presented about, which was CDK inhibitors um, or new strategies for managing their use? Right. Yeah, a little bit. So we know there are three right now. There are three CDK46 inhibitors, pavlociclib, ribociclib, abemaciclib, and there actually have been really no head-to-head -head comparisons between these agents. That's that's Right now, there are three, there are phase three trials that are in um, effect looking at these agents of both the adjuvant and neoadjuvant setting. Um, in, there's also um, uh, studies now looking at biomarkers. So one of the new things is we expect to see resistance in the CDK4-6 inhibitors, just like we have to other chemotherapies. So there's a need for prognostic biomarkers to further refine treatment. In other words, if in some patients they have more increased activity to the CDK um, RB1 EF2 pathways that are actually predict sensitivity of tumor cells to CDK4 inhibitors, we would use them more in those patients. So we're looking at right now biomarkers. The other um, new direction is looking at therapeutic drug monitoring. For many drugs, there is a therapeutic index for that drug. So we monitor serum levels or plasma levels of those drugs. And those plasma con concentrations are usually have a predefined window. Well, we just don't have that for CDK. K46 inhibitors. Um, and having that would be helpful in improving treatment outcomes and decreasing toxicity. So right now, that's you know also something that's needed in a new direction. Um, we also are now looking at increased applications of CDK46 inhibitors in the HERT uh, positive breast cancer um, patients because there's some kind of crossover between um, those um, HER2 and negative and HER2 positive patients that they may benefit from these drugs. Also looking at the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors potentially in patients who are triple negative and also combining those um, CDK4-6 inhibitors with chemotherapy. And of course, in the pipeline are several new types of CDK4-6 inhibitors. So we'll stay tuned for all those new developments. That's great. Exciting to hear about all those new directions and um, also great to hear about your research and CIPN as well. Um, so thank you so much for coming on today to share all this information.
thank you, Kira. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I wish everyone a wonderful day. Take care thank now. You.